Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is May the 10th, 2019. Strong hand, offended by selling, be a unique beast. This is an anti-FUD Friday. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. All right. Special guest Simon Dixon is here on This Week in Bitcoin. He's We're going to review like the last month, basically. There have been so many stories, and we're going to get his unique take on everything. Simon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. I don't even know if we could review a month. You only need a couple of days in crypto, and you've got enough content. <laughs> Very true. As the world turns, it's it's a, it's a soap opera here sometimes. So many different stories. But let's start with this one tweet that will shock some people because it's from someone that uh, people – it's from Vinnie Lingham. If Bitcoin can hold the $6,200 level for the next 24 to 48 hours, then the bear market is officially over and I'm going to become a raging bull. That's from Vinnie Lingham. He's about to become a raging bull, apparently. Now, I don't care about the fiat price, but I am the reason I bring this up is because the vibe, the crypto vibe that has been out there. We've been we've encountered some stories that were FUD-related stories. There was a hack, there was the tether stuff, and it can't bring Bitcoin down. And I have heard, and again, I'm that's why I'm bringing this up to you. The, the vibe has changed, it seems like. People who were bears seem to be getting bullish. What's your take? Have you, you, you talked to a lot of people. Has the vibe changed? Um, I think everybody's optimistic, but they're also scared because uh, they've been optimistic a few times for the last year and a half and they got burnt. So, um, you know, those trying to forecast the short term price, uh, they're, they're quietly, you know, um, they'd love it to continue, but they don't want to get egg on their face again. Because uh, for many people, this bear market went on for a, a, a lot longer than they thought it would do. Uh, for others, it was in line with expectations. Um, Vinny Lingham's an interesting one because uh, Vinny Lingham has always been ultra conservative. Um, I think one of, you know, he's had some really good calls in the past, but one of his very famous calls uh, was to sell Bitcoin at $1,000 just before the $20,000 run. Um, Vinny, Vinny is, a, is an old school Bitcoiner. Um, he's recently, you know, had some controversial views, but he always says what he thinks it is. And if he's saying that he thinks we're headed to a bull market, if we can hold this for the next 24 to 48 hours. Wait a second. The reason why we shouldn't be in a bull market, really. Um, we've had the extended bear market. We're getting a bad Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a bad connection. The last 30 seconds of your beautiful speech got it cut off there, basically. Okay, okay yeah, we'll, we'll try again. Um, so, yeah, there's no reason why we shouldn't be moving into uh, a bear market. Uh, sorry, a bull market now. I guess we're so used to the bear market. Um, but uh, I think there's been a lot of capitulation. A lot of the, the, the crap has left the industry. I'm starting to see a lot of the crap come back to the industry. I got my first... Uh, email for a long time um, pitching some new ICOs um, and I guess that's kind of a sign that, pe that everything's coming back. Uh, we had the IEO, the exchanges, the crypto to crypto exchanges try and turn around 
the market with uh, IEOs as well. Um, and uh, Bitcoin seems to be leading the market again, and everything seems to follow Bitcoin. It'll be interesting to see what happens next, whether people start dumping alternatives in order to go into Bitcoin, or whether people start feeling richer as a result of Bitcoin going up and start to speculate again in alternatives. Um, I know some people are waiting for, they don't believe that the bull market is here until Bitcoin goes up and everything else goes down. But I think we're, gonna, we're in a correlated market where everything's going to move together with Bitcoin leading the way um, as, the, as, as the leader, as the world reserve current cryptocurrency for all other cryptocurrencies. Uh, do you even follow the uh, Bitcoin dominance? I just noticed today that, whoa, it's getting close to 60%. <laughs> Uh, that's interesting. No, I haven't really been following that because it's a it's a, it's a it's a silly figure for me to follow because you know B Bitcoin is the is the only one is the only game in town for being you know sound money, um, and every single day, especially with things like securities tokens coming along, we're going to be adding thousands and thousands and thousands of different asset classes um, to this industry as everything gets tokenized, and it's a really silly thing to do to compare this ever increasing. Um, you know, basket of different assets that are going to be tokenized in the future um, to the, you know, the world reserve cryptocurrency of cryptocurrencies. Um, it, it doesn't really matter because anyone can create a token and they can print billions and billions of them. And if, as long as it's got a price, then that's going to decrease the Bitcoin dominance just by adding loads and loads of tokens. Um, so it's, it really is, a, it really is a silly number, but it, it, it gives people some interesting thoughts and it's good to see. Um, you know, if you were just comparing cryptocurrencies, then fine. But when you're when when coin market cap consists of all this basket of different things, it's a it's a pretty meaningless figure. Yeah, I, someone asked me the other day. They're like, "Well, during the next bull run, will Bitcoin return to eighty percent dominance?" And I said, "No, just just because of what you just said. It, it, as long as they list every IEO, ICO, EIEIO on there, it's it, it's going to water down the." Uh, what is really a coin and what is not? Again, it's the world reserve crypto. It's it's on a whole different level. I do want your take on IEOs though. Uh, just a a, a a flash in the pan, or will this uh, will that trend grow? Well, um, again, it goes back to the old security versus uh, utility token argument. The argument hasn't been resolved. I guess in the US, they've made it a lot clear. Uh, the SEC has reached um, put out clear guidelines on what is a security and what isn't a security, but still some murky water there um, as more of these things that look like securities are also being used for payments and various other things. Um, so the IEO is just essentially a rebrand of the ICO, but you don't have to cover the marketing costs because the exchange will just do it for you. Um, and uh, I guess it's the exchange's attempt to revive the market um, and, you know, get back to some of those ultra-profitable, ultra-high returns. I think it's, uh, I guess, you move the ability for individuals to scam um, to the exchange to use market manipulation and behavior, and we'll see who the, who the exchanges are that do things in a fair way, uh, do proper due diligence, um, and I guess they're moving closer and closer to enforcement action and securities laws as they move more and more into these markets. But... Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's another interesting trend. It's another way of getting a new token out there, um, but it's subject to a lot more manipulation um, because even on, on these, you, you're, you know, you're, you're subject to a uh, people buying a token with another token 
um, and all the manipulation that can happen in trying to price it. You know, the, the, an investment bank is not normally the same in the, in the traditional market. The investment bank is not normally the, the, the stock exchange as well and not the broker as well. But in, in the IEO market, you have all three being one centralized counterparty as well. Pound that like button, everyone. Remember, new show every day here, This Week in Bitcoin, every Friday. Simon's info is below. Everything is linked to below. Uh, well, I, I want to go back to IEOs again because it appears to me it's a, a way for some of these exchanges to, I mean, increase their wealth. Basically, they they saw that old trend of ICOs. Why not rebrand it and uh, get, get some uh, get the, a huge cut, a huge cut out of this uh, the, the the next bull market? And it, it's uh, some of these exchanges. They seem like they they want to power. They well, they've got some interesting interesting views on power in the space, and that. I bring I, I bring that up because of what's happened at Binance. Now Binance got hacked. We'll talk specifically about the hack, but I wanted to bring up like what the the guy in charge of Binance uh, he he, he uh, seriously was considering a, a rollback as and thought that that was actually possible. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm glad the lesson we learned is that there, at least in Bitcoin, you don't have a powerful entity that just can command can just do that. But uh, what was your take on that? Firstly, um, you know, Binance and CZ, I think um, up, up to now, like CZ has been a good um, part of the crypto community. He tends to try and do right by his customers. He tends to go on the cutting edge of the gray markets um, and push the boundaries a lot. Um, and uh, But in this instance, um, I'm either going to put it down to um, the fact that he was up for probably over 48 hours or 29 hours or something, um, trying to recover and make sense of the hack situation. Um, and either had a momentary uh, you know, lapse and, of craziness and insanity, um, or he just genuinely doesn't understand Bitcoin, um, which I find hard to believe as somebody that is such a, you know, a, a crypto ambassador um, and has been around for a while before Binance, who was at OKX and other exchanges. Um, but to think that it was even a sensible thing to explore um, that you could reorg the Bitcoin blockchain, uh, one, you know, uh, kind of, it, well, it just, it, if it was possible to do that, then, you know, it would completely diminish the, the value that we know Bitcoin has. Um, and secondly, you know, I don't, I don't know what was going through his mind, you know, why he, he did actually contact Jihan Wu and other people to find out if he could get enough hash power to actually reorg the chain, um, which would take the entire Bitcoin and crypto market down with it if it was possible um, with Binance. It seems like a, I, I just want to put it down to a, a moment of insanity in an incredibly high pressured situation where he was suffering from a lack of sleep. Um, and that cut off some oxygen to his brain. Um, that's the only way I can explain it, because uh, I don't think he's, uh, he's that ignorant to know that that's not, not a good idea or not possible. Wow, wow. Well, I will say this. Uh, people tried to jump on that FUD, but it didn't. Bitcoin just laughed it off. And it, you know, back if we would have done this show uh, three years ago and said like the one of the biggest exchanges just got hacked, I mean, everyone would be in, in panic mode. It's just... I think a positive take from this story is uh, how the space has matured and uh, that we, we've had FUD Fridays in the past. And uh, now this is an anti-FUD Friday. I, 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 
I, I mean, there will be big stories in the future, but will they be able to, to take the Bitcoin price down as, as much uh, as in the past? What's, what's your take on the, the maturation of the market? Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing right now and a real positive step forward is that Bitcoin is bigger than exchanges. You know, we started this industry where, um, you know, Mt. Gox was bigger than Bitcoin. Um, and over time, we've, we've proven time and time again, no matter how good, no matter how um, meticulous, you know, there's only, I guess, there's one, there's one exchange left that hasn't been hacked to, to this stage, which is Coinbase. Um, but no matter how far you go, no matter how good you are, um, you know, putting together that amount of money in cryptocurrency is just an extremely hard challenge um, to secure. But the good thing is, is that Binance uh, currently, by volume, is the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. They just got hacked. You know, I hope they get recovered. I, you know, they, they had a, a conservative approach of putting money aside so that they could cover it. So it's a hit to the company rather than depositors um, or uh, the exchange customers. Uh, so that's a, that's a good thing. You know, only, um, and uh, sorry for your losses, Binance. I, I don't wish out upon anybody. Um, but uh, the good thing is that Bitcoin is totally bigger than the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world right now because you know, the top two ones um, have had some extremely challenging times over the last week or so. And Bitcoin continues to just uh, fight it off and continue and is not correlated to the news of what is happening within these exchanges. I think there's a few reasons for it. One, um, we've got the next generation of exchanges with traditional financial institutions, which will have, you know, very high fiduciary responsibilities in terms of securing assets. Uh, to the next level um, and also just uh, in general a lot of a lot more people are having learned the lesson that you shouldn't be storing your um, cryptocurrency on exchanges uh, and also the fact that we're just uh, you know we seem to be having I mean the amount of good news that we've had in terms of technological development institutional development partnerships people using cryptocurrency people using bitcoin um, over during this bear market um, and none of that has really, you know, pushed the price out of the out of the bull market. There's just a tremendous amount of um, news and progress that's just not factored into the price at this stage. Um, that people will start to realize, I guess, when it hit new when it hits new highs and starts pushing above the twenty thousand, when people will start looking at this again. Well, I, I will say this: you, we were talking at the beginning of the show. We were talking about you were talking about the length of the bear market and. You know, now we're again. I don't like to talk about fiat prices, but we're on the other side of six thousand now. And I, it was just less than six months ago, just less than six months, Bitcoin went below six thousand. So I mean, it's not that. For me, I obviously do nothing. I just store my Bitcoin. No big deal. Yeah, and back in November, it was six thousand. It's still six thousand today. And just the mistakes that people could made made in between the, these. Well, yeah. yeah. The interesting thing is, if you took if you look what drove Bitcoin below six thousand the last time, um, was uh, Craig Wright coming out threatening to reorg the Bitcoin Cash blockchain and perform a fifty one percent attack, and creating you know a, 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 a scenario that, that that crashed the Bitcoin market um, because there was so much fear, fud, and uncertainty around that. Now somebody else comes along and does it who has a lot more power and a lot more influence, like the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world, and then said that they're going to uh, see if they can do that to Bitcoin after a hack. Um, and uh, Bitcoin just pushes past 6,000. So it's, it's really interesting that 
this 6,000 level seems to be um, coming around threats of uh, people that claim to either create Bitcoin or be an exchange that has more power than Bitcoin um, seems to be marking these price points. Um, going back to that uh, November incident, I I thought that might, <laughs> it played a role in sparking the, the 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 price going down but i mean how big of a role do you think that really played i mean in the long i mean it didn't keep the price down uh for that long uh bec because of him creating that fud i think he i think it was a very opportune moment to and i don't know if he planned it that way either um it, it was an opportune moment to bring up fud if you wanted to bring down bitcoin um i, I think it was going to go down anyway this the, the overall vibe i mean do, do you think it was that big of an uh, uh an event? I think, um, yeah, I think it got a lot of attention from ignorant people and mainstream media that um, where people, you know, you've got you to remember people aren't day in, day out understanding the difference between these cryptocurrencies. You know, when someone comes out that um, allegedly is the creator of Bitcoin um, and says that, you know, that allegedly has over a million Bitcoin. Um, and is going to reorg the chain, even though it was Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV and things completely unrelated to Bitcoin. Um, I think the average person trying to deconstruct what that actually means um, led to a media frenzy of ignorant people that are already pained because they might have bought Bitcoin a lot significantly higher price, um, wanting to say, hey, you know, a capitulation stage essentially where mass selling from people that are on exchanges, not the not the hodlers of last resort, the ones that are holding it on their card wallets, no matter what, that are following this day in, day out. Um, but the people on the exchanges that are actually, you know, the price is determined by people buying and selling on exchanges. Um, you know, there's a lot of ignorance out there. And uh, I think it was just really the capitulation event of, you know, is Bitcoin dead? Is Bitcoin over? Oh, Great, this the, this alleged founder of uh, Bitcoin is now creating this thing that's going to completely kill some al some alternative chain that's also called Bitcoin. Just creates this mass confusion of affecting the price um, at the exchanges. Now let, let's talk about some altcoins. This is the altcoin section of the show. Now that that dude was brought up, and we're going to bring up something specific about that guy in a second. But uh, do you think you know the the hackers of the world? Uh, it seems like they've caught on that if they're going to hack an exchange, you get Bitcoin because it can't be reorged. Do, do you think in the future that uh, altcoins will be hacked from exchanges, uh, that it'll be worth a hacker's time? Because most likely, um, some, I mean, now that it's out in the open, some of those altcoins might just, uh, they'll always be the threat that they could be reorged and the hacker could have his, uh, his funds uh, taken back from him. Yeah. What do you see in the future of uh, crypto hacks? Uh, very interesting. Hadn't even thought about that process. But yeah, I mean, it seems like people, are, you know, if it might even occur, you know, the game with hacking was always, even if you're, even if you're hacking an altcoin, you're still going to try and get it to Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, you know, in the end anyway, um, and then they've got to try and figure out how to get that Bitcoin um, into what they can spend. And so um, it's, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> It's uh, it's an interesting game, you know. Half of the game is uh, hacking the the Bitcoin in the first place, but then trying to move that from a wallet and figure out how to get it out and do something with it um, is becoming increasingly more challenged. So, uh, you know, all it ends up doing is is taking Bitcoin out of the supply 
um, and making it more rare and more scarce, which eventually once people realize um, is that they're just taking Bitcoin out of the supply because the, you know people are, are, are really analyzing these chains now and uh, trying to get those those hacked Bitcoins you know, through an exchange which is under increasing regulatory pressure um, and are getting smarter and smarter and using more and more tools in order to actually identify um, stopping these thefts um, is, is becoming a really, really hard challenge. And many of the major hacks, the coins are still there with you know no one able to do anything with them. Uh, here's, here's a question about the uh, Binance hacks specifically. And from, from what you've heard, and I just want to, I mean, maybe this is not going to clear everything up. There are a few people that are like, it must have been an inside job. Uh, what have you, do you think it wasn't an inside job? Well, um, inside job kind of comes to a couple of accusations. Um, the first accusation is the people at the top that own it and operate the exchange, um, then maybe they, you know, um, do an inside job. I find that highly implausible. Um, I've got no reason to believe that um, CZ and the, and the team at, at Binance are nothing but trying to do right by their customers. Um, if you're in that big a game, then it's really, really a crazy strategy to try and, um, you know, you know, Binance is on a on a huge growth path to 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 kill the the golden egg. You know, is uh, is a little bit crazy. But then there is the fact that uh, a company, you know, has to employ, and especially when they get as big as a company like Binance, you know, hundreds and hundreds of staff. And those hundreds and hundreds of staff um, are very, very, you know, it's increasingly harder to actually surveil um, those staff. And you could end up hiring a bad actor, and a bad actor could sell some data. Um, and so it really comes down to their operational procedures and security procedures. Um, on exactly how they onboard new staff, which, uh, which people have access to which information. Um, it's an incredibly challenging thing, uh, you know, operationally, especially if you start an exchange in 2017 and grew to be one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world, especially during a frenzied bull market like 2017. Um, you know, it, it's a very, very hard thing to do. So an inside job can happen from the top or within. Um, I, I find it implausible that in Binance that it would happen at the top. Very possible that uh, something can happen in the middle level. Um, cooperating with a hacker, uh, you know, that's a very challenging thing to to prevent. And really, the only way to solve these things is is for us to develop the, the, this industry to the next stage where these are, you know, um, non-custodial exchanges in the future. And Binance is already on that that path to creating a decentralized exchange and doing this in a non-custodial way so we don't have to put that responsibility on some of these centralized exchanges yeah i i just want to make it clear a, a high level inside job that's like that's an exit scam no way that's happening here i was uh, i thought like what you basically said they have so many low level employees why wouldn't one make a, a a deal with a hacker and give out some information and what you just said again should be a reminder to everyone um, you know, who thinks Coinbase is so safe. I'm sure Coinbase is so safe. But wait, how about if they did hire a, a guy who had some long-term thinking is like, I'm going to work here for a year. I'm going to collaborate with someone on the outside. And, you know, after a year or so, I'm going to know the inner workings and we're going to we're going to rip this place off and we're going to move to Eastern Europe and they'll never be able to catch us. I mean, that seems like a legitimate threat. And I, I to, to, to trust Coinbase to do a background check 
that will eliminate the possibility of that. I mean, that's that's a lot of trust right there, and that's not what crypto is about. So, uh, uh, just just a reminder out there that uh, low. I mean, there's really no way to stop a, a determined, a very determined low level inside jobber uh, uh, from from doing something like this. Uh, so, it's, uh, I'm glad glad you brought up the difference between a high level and a low level with that. So um, I want to also read from the super chat. Colonel Swan Jr. said, "Bitcoin, the blocks keep coming." Thank you, Colonel Swan Jr. for the super chat for uh, the the donation. I appreciate the ten bucks. And here, Molotov Cocktail sent three bucks. Thank you much. He says, "Insert Jack Nicholson laugh, Jack Nicholson nodding meme." Yeah, that, that's 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 a good time to do that. That's a good picture of him. I've seen that floating around. All right, uh, all right. Let's talk about real real fast. Uh, since you you brought it up, Simon. Uh, well, you didn't bring this specific thing up, but but this week, I guess in the last two days, Jameson Lop uh, came out with a expose about uh, the guy who claims he is Satoshi. Uh, did you have any 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 thoughts on that? Oh, fill me in. It's been such a crazy week. I've been oh, on good, this. Oh, good, good, good. So you haven't. I've been, that I've been on you- this. That's good. You haven't heard of it. That that makes me happy. Then that I mean, then, yeah, that, I've been on this whole Bitfinex tether thing all week. Good. So to, what's, what's happening? Yeah, it's just no, no, it's just more. I don't want to give the guy any more attention. Um, that, that's it. it. It's just uh, just just more evidence that he's not who he says he is. It's it's become. It, I, I just yeah. wonder why people, or maybe you can, maybe you have some experience with human psychology. Why there's still people out there that that want to believe that. Uh, this person is Satoshi Nakamoto. I, I... <laughs> well, it's, um, there's no doubt that, you know, it, it's an interesting one because there's no doubt in my mind that he was around at the beginning. Um, and so whether he was a T-boy, um, you know, that was around at the beginning, um, you know, but there's, there's, there's really good evidence that he was around and he's been around for a long time. Um, now, combine that with narcissism and sociopathic tendencies, um, and you get the current situation. Uh, it was really funny. I, I did watch a. I, I try not to indulge myself in soap operas, and uh, uh, in, in the UK, we've got something called EastEnders and Coronation Street. Um, that's what I see this whole Craig White saga is. Um, you can't help being by intrigued by it, and if you want a bit of entertainment, then you indulge yourself every now and then. Um, but uh, I watched one on um, CoinGeek with uh, Calvin Air giving, you know, his, his, there's a, a video he just released, an interview. Um, and it, it is just fascinating how people, you know, uh, are getting around this, um, this, this belief, I guess, that, um, and the importance that they're um, placing on, on him being uh, Satoshi. It's just, uh, it, it's soap opera, you know, it's, uh, it's just a bit of entertainment on the side. It doesn't matter. Bitcoin still continues. Uh, we just have this uh, this this constant interesting thing. I think the latest is he's trying to use the court cases in order to prove that he is Satoshi um, by getting a court judgment uh, to to prove that he is, and that was the whole point with the legal cases. So let's uh, let's see what comes with from that. Yeah, yeah. So Jameson Lop did an expose. If you want to uh, waste a few moments of your life reading that and get a little bit of an entertainment hit. Do so, but no rush, because as you said, you are a very busy man and you have been dealing with a lot. So let's hear about this Bitfinex stuff. I, I think you were referring to that, I, I assume. 
Yeah, so um, all right. Well, the you know the story with Bitfinex. Um, Bitfinex is obviously the 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 world's um, crypto favorite company to attack, um, whether it be from regulators or whether it be from people trying to understand it a bit more. Um, but you know, I I, I was um, I was on CNBC yesterday or the other night, um, and um, you know they were asking me from the perspective of, as I've said previously, I've disclosed on your previous show, Adam, I am a shareholder. Um, at banktothefuture.com, we create a market where people can buy and sell shares in um, large companies, in Bitfin, uh, and Bitfinex is one of those companies. So we had a lot of speculation on the price of Bitfinex shares over the last week, um, which uh, you know really has uh, been been getting a lot of increasing attention. So the story is um, that uh, you know Bitfinex was one of the most liquid and still is U.S. dollar to Bitcoin exchanges. Um, and several years back, uh, Wells Fargo took it upon itself to attack not um, Bitfinex itself, but the counterparty banks that were servicing Bitfinex um, and try and exercise influence over the US dollar because Tether was starting to become increasingly more important um, and you know, in competing with people um, converting their cryptocurrency into dollar and they were just staying in it with Tether. And so they decided to attack some of the Taiwanese banks that were servicing Bitfinex and allowing for a non-US model to exist where um, the founders of Bitfinex, uh, you know, from all my experiences of knowing them, um, they are very idealistic in terms of Bitcoin principles and privacy. And they do not put one, they don't want to exercise one more bit of compliance above what they have to in the jurisdiction that they live. Um, and because of that, there are constant targets um, by banks um, and financial institutions and people that don't want business to be going outside the US, particularly when it's denominated in the dollar. Um, so they end up in a scenario where they're playing, um, you know, catch, uh, catch the hot potato with billions and billions of dollars. You know, all these crypto to crypto exchanges become huge, really, really fast. Binance becomes huge, not, you know, because they are relying upon Bitfinex to service all of their deposits because they use Tether instead of having to get a bank account um, and you know, meet all the demands of bankers. So Bitfinex through Tether became essentially the outsourced bank account to all of the crypto to crypto exchanges. And Tether went from, from billions to billions. And now once a bank says that you need to move your deposits because Wells Fargo and the Fed are threatening to remove US dollar clearing, and exercising their influence over Taiwanese banks, then it's quite hard to move $4 billion. Um, so the, you know, they've had to go through this game of trying to get banks that are willing to take such a, a model on um, in a, an incredibly threatening environment. Um, and uh, you know, one of their last solutions was that they managed to find a bank that would park all the money that wasn't demanded for deposits and withdrawals and find a payment processor that had good technology whereby you could process deposits and withdrawals um, in a faster environment. Many of the exchanges were using the same payment processor, but one of the US banks decided to actually start servicing companies like Kraken and Coinbase and all the other exchanges, but they don't want to service non-US based exchanges that don't necessarily adhere to every single regulation that the US puts a crypto exchange under and doesn't allow for some additional protections of privacy in the crypto to crypto sphere. And so because of this, um, they end up in this scenario where they had to put 
the equivalent of that, remember in, in cryptocurrency world, you exchanges have hot wallets and cold wallets. Um, when you're the banker of all of the cryptocurrency exchanges, which Tether was, the, all of these exchanges came through because of Tether, um, they have to use a payment processor that has good technology. And it turned out that that payment processor was a company called Crypto Capital. Um, and that Crypto Capital is allegedly um, you know, pocketing some of the money or has had some of the money seized because they haven't followed correct KYC or payment um, you know, procedures. Um, by, you know, part of it, allegedly, is the U.S. government. Some several governments seized the money. And Bitfinex finds itself in a, in a scenario where, um, you know, because of this scenario, because of all this, um, they've got to plug an $850 million gap because the government has seized some funds. Um, and, you know, remember, about $700 million of this, of Tether, is, is held in Binance's wallet. Um, so a big chunk of that is, is you know, all of these companies are grown because they outsource their banking to Tether. Um, and this is, is, you know, it's, a, it's it, as usual, Bitfinex used some financial engineering in order to try and stay, keep the system going. Uh, when, and, it, you know, they were approached by the New York Attorney General's office and they said that they shared all the information and then the New York Attorney General's office used that information um, against them uh, in what looks like another attack against the, the, the Tether and crypto market. This creates a massive, massive knock-on effect um, where they had to, you know, uh, the money you know, is there in crypto capital. It's been seized by a government. And so they have to do a bit of financial engineering in order to fulfill the deposits and withdrawals. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this, whole, this whole saga continues. Um, now, in order to get out of this situation, they, ha they launch a token um, and uh, they raise, a, 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 you know, they're, they're in the process of raising a billion dollars from uh, big fans that want to see the belief in the utility of Tether, particularly in areas like China and Asia, where they really appreciate the ability to hold some of their funds in U.S. dollars without having to have a U.S. dollar account. Um, and they're, you know, they're particularly interested in funding and, and keeping, um, you know, plugging this. And so they create a token. Um, and now we're in the situation where we're trying to figure out crypto capital, um, what the, you know, what's happened to them. And there's some systemic risk on that because uh, all the crypto to crypto exchanges are relying upon Tether um, for their growth. And uh, but the funds are, you know, allegedly there and they're just waiting to be returned. And then when those funds are returned, the token can be bought back and they have no choice but to use um, some, you know, token ecosystem in order to uh, meet the demands of depositors and withdrawals and, and keep the system, you know, keep, keep everything going. So it's a it's an incredibly interesting story, but it highlights one thing really to me. And that is that uh, the issue is a banking issue. And uh, we have issues with the banking system. That's the exact reason why Bitcoin was created. Um, and Bitfinex, from my perspective, have always been a, a team of people that do whatever they can to service their customers, to not go over-compliant and keep some of the principles of Bitcoin alive in a centralized environment when people want to exchange dollars for Tether, um, sorry, dollars for Bitcoin um, and trades when this in that constant intersection between the fiat world and the crypto world. Now, there's the story, people. It is just one exchange, and it didn't bring down Bitcoin. And, yeah, this is the problem. It, it, it exposes or reminds us of the problems of the banking system and why we're in crypto to begin with. Now, 
You bring up the New York Attorney General's office. I've got questions about that. I mean, is this a witch hunt? Are they doing this for other entities, for comp for competing banks? For what is, I, I'm not a fan of the New York Attorney General's office. It, it seems like they're a very vindictive uh, outfit, and they, they go after entities and people they don't like. And that's not what justice is. That's not what the law is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm doing a favor for someone because I, my, my friend doesn't like this entity. What, what do you think is going on over there? Or do you have any thoughts? I have my own thoughts, you know, a speculation. I've got no evidence around this, but it wouldn't be out of the world to conceive that New York represents Wall Street. Tether is the antithesis, um, of Wall Street and the U S you know, um, they, the, the, you know, the U.S. has come around to the fact that crypto is going to be huge. You know, uh, we've already. So I think the next thing you're talking about some comments around um, politicians and MPs that, um, sorry, MPs, uh, Congress people in um, in the states that uh, that uh, you know are recognizing the threat that Bitcoin has, um, and then stable coins along and produce another threat, and that needs to stay in the U.S. They want all that to be done. In the U.S., by Wall Street, they want J.P. Morgan coin. They want Fed coin. They want Bitcoin to be something that uh, is controlled within their borders. They recognize that they can't take it down anymore. Um, and one of the threats to to you know um, to the dominance that they would like to exercise and the influence they would like to exercise is taking down anything outside the U.S. And to me, it seems like they're. This is not just about consumer protection. You can take either side. There is a, there is a case for how they were trying to you know, protect consumers. Um, nobody's investing in Tether. There is no investor protection. It was people that were using Tether. So that's consumer protection, which is different to securities laws um, and what they were, you know, were trying to uh, influence and about disclosures and things. Um, but to me, it, it certainly seems like a government, a, a group of government institutions sees some funds, they ask Bitfinex to cooperate, they cooperate, and then they use that data in order to, to, to use, you know, to, to make a, a massive hoo-ha against them. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I don't know what, you know, exactly where it happens next, but there's no doubt about it. There's no, it's, it's New York. New York represents Wall Street. Wall Street represents J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan represents J.P. Morgan Coin, um, and uh, you know, just just follow the money. Yeah, uh, there we go, people. That's an interesting theory out there. Pound that like button, everyone. So you brought it up. I was going to bring it up. This is a good segue. Today in Congress, I guess this was yesterday. Today in Congress, Representative Sherman called for a bill to ban all cryptocurrencies. Uh, I, I link to that below, uh, and. The guy in his little rant, in, in, in 90-second rant, whatever it was, he actually brings up some, uh, you know, some good points about the Bitcoin, about what what it really does. That it get that you can get around U.S. sanctions and you can get around taxes, and he doesn't like that very much. And he clearly is representing representing some entities, be it the federal government that wants their taxes, being the the federal government that wants to enforce. Uh, that he he admits that the the, the dollar the, the 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 dollar is power. He admits it in it. it. I mean, so he's a jerk. Obviously, he doesn't. But he straight up says it. So I I thought it was I thought it was bullish, and I think people should should take it at face value and say, you know, the, there are some people that want to stop it, but you can't stop it. And he gives some examples of why it is valuable. So what what was your take on that whole uh, spiel? 
Um, so, I mean, yeah, firstly, the crypto and Bitcoin, it, there's some ignorant comments in there, obviously. Um, but there's also some intelligent comments in there because actually it is a threat. Um, it is a challenge. And it does give um, people, uh, you know, choice, an exit from the traditional financial system. It regulates the regulator and um, it uh, prevents, you know, it, in the end, I think it makes fiat currencies more honest because they have to compete with something, uh, you know, people having the choice of where to go. Um, another point in that, there are some ignorant comments. Actually, Bitcoin is a really, really bad way of avoiding taxes. Um, because as soon as you actually try to spend that um, or you have to exchange it to fiat, uh, then it, you have a connection of your identity to your wallet address. And that is an immutable record that the tax authorities in the future will continue to use in order to create a, a cash grab. But one thing that does have incredible value is that you can do that completely legally as opposed to illegally. And that is that Bitcoin encourages people to save because the economics are designed to reward the saver over the long term because it is sound money and it does have a fixed supply and it is getting more and more useful every day to more and more people. Um, and so therefore, by not spending it, um, by saving it, um, then you are not creating any kind of taxable event. This is not tax advice. I don't know what the tax situation is in your in your country, but all the countries that I've um, you know uh, understood the tax situation is that if you don't sell it, then you're not going to pay a capital gains. Um, it encourages you to save while your traditional money is being spent at a loss because it encourages you to take on debt and credit cards, and therefore you don't necessarily have taxable events. So the fact is, I think that it's not that it allows people to do tax evasion illegally. It's that it actually stops people paying taxes legally because people are actually saving it um, and they can become incredibly wealthy over the long term. And then they can decide with that wealth where they want to go, where they want to reside um, and use some tax efficiency when they actually you know, decide to liquidate or spend that money on something else in a local, um, local country. And that is completely legal and a very, very challenging thing for governments to get their heads around and exactly why they, they want to keep everything within their own banking system, um, survey and control everything and get people to take on debt and spend so that they can create these taxable events. They don't want you to save. The existing system discourages savings. It's a very stupid thing to do to save in fiat money. And crypto and Bitcoin is creating this tidal wave of savers, um, and that is a big problem to uh, the government agenda that might not necessarily have your best interest in mind. Yeah, very good, very good point. Tidal wave of savers. Well, right now, I think it's a trickle uh, because some people still don't get it. <laughs> That's why these uh, exchanges are so popular. People just use it as a gambling tool to go in and out of alts and to, to make more dollars. They don't get it. It is. It's for savings, dude. It is. It, if you're it, if you're trading crypto um, and you think you are going to get away with not paying taxes, you're going to be in a tricky situation in the future. All of that data is saved on the exchange. All those exchanges will be subpoenaed for that data at some point. Um, and when they connect your identity to a wallet address, they're going to go right back to the history of that. Um, and you might find yourself in a, in a very tricky situation, depending on where the tidal wave goes. So 
it is not a tool, it's not a good tool for tax evasion, but it is if you do it legally. Exactly. Save people. Strong hand, long-term thinking. All right. Now, you've talked about Bitcoin becoming more useful. I agree. It's definitely becoming more useful. Uh, now, in this era, we've, well, today we brought up a lot of companies that are involved in the crypto space, some controversial, some not so controversial. Do you think on this date, May the 10th of 2019, that the Google or the Facebook or the Twitter of crypto already exists and we just don't know it yet? Or, or they have they not even been created yet? Because in terms of the internet revolution, in, in we had that dot-com uh, bubble back in the day, but there was no Twitter yet then. There, there was no Facebook yet. That was before those were even thought of. So where are we in the process? Do you think it's possible that the uh, the Facebook of uh, crypto is already out there, that the Twitter of crypto is already out there, or have they yet to even be thought of? Or both? Uh, this is this gives me a really good segue to, um, and this wasn't planned. Um, I hadn't spoken about this with Adam, but it gives me a really good segue to shill uh, some of the things that we're up to um, in a self-interested way. So um, at banktothefuture.com, we've launched a secondary market whereby people can buy and sell shares in the largest companies in crypto through one of our um, special company structures. Um, and so we're starting to see real market-driven valuations of some of the largest companies in crypto now. Um, some of those, like Coinbase, are, are, are driving a valuation of about $8.3 Some of those, like a Kraken, are about $4 billion. Um, others like Bitstamp exited at about um, half a you know half a billion dollars, and then Bitfinex has had some volatile valuations as a result of the market pricing um, on that. But this is really something that we're really interested in driving now. Um, the fact that we we now have uh, market prices for many of these companies, um, and um, people can decide whether they're the next uh, Facebook or Google, and they can. Um, decide whether and they can benefit from that if, if they come. So um, we are seeing unicorns. Um, we have seen companies fail um, and we are seeing and there will be more companies that come along. Um, and uh, that's uh, is we, we now have a, a marketplace and, and pricing for some of these companies. It's currently in beta, so we're not making a big splash about it. Um, but some of those you, you can now trade Circle, Bitfinex, um, Coinbase. And we've got other companies and most of the company, larger companies in crypto where people can see some real-time pricing and speculate on that. Mm, very interesting. Good, 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 good answer there. No, we didn't, we didn't plan that in advance at all, uh, which is, which is awesome. But okay. So who knows? They, they might be out there and maybe Simon is helping fund them. We, 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 we do not know. What do you think is, uh, you know, back in the day, I think it was pretty predictable in, uh, in terms of the internet that it, that the, if you were going to master search and if you're going to be the, the biggest search engine, you were going to be a long lasting, powerful entity. And uh, Google became that and much, much more. What do you think is a recipe for success in, in the crypto space? I think there's so many. Um, clearly, um, you know, the hardware wallets is going to be a really, really important industry. I would certainly be betting on hardware wallets. I wish that, uh, you know, I was, we were going to, I'm so good about this. We were an early investor in Ledger and so an institution invested at the same round and they didn't want us in. So they kicked us out. And I'm really gutted that we missed that one. Um, but hardware wallets are a really important industry. Um, exchanges are, are, are the elephant in the room. You know, um, people are going to want to trade those. 
Um, and you've got also eventually we're going to have, um, you know, non-custodial exchanges. Um, that's the real early speculation that I believe will eventually be a very big industry. Um, centralized exchanges clearly are the, the winners at the moment. Um, I think hardware wallets is a really important part of the ecosystem. Um, someone's going to be doing all this mining. Someone's going to be producing these, these chips and these ASICs and hardware more efficiently in the future. Um, so there's, there's so many different areas. Uh, there's, uh, and then you've got things like, uh, you know, as proof of stake comes through, you've got definitely custodial services for all the people that want to hold it in a centralized way. Uh, there's so many different parts of this ecosystem and we're just really, really early on and there's just so much growth. Let's, as this market. let's talk about that proof of stake. How, how big is, is that going to be? These uh, uh, custodial services holding, supposedly ho holding your coins and, uh, uh, and and staking them for you. I mean, that, do, do, I mean, again, this is not Bitcoin at all. This, this is going to be Ethereum probably. Yeah, I mean, the institutions want to do, you know, the institutions want returns. There is no yield. Bonds are dead. Stocks are not producing the returns that they want. Um, you know, uh, gold is, you know, is more of a store of value than investment. Um, and people are looking for different ways to get yield in the current market. One of those new ways of getting yield um, and the way you could do it through an institution is some of these staking coins. And they are going to be um, things that people are looking for um, as a way to, to do that. And there's going to be a whole custodial um, industry built around that. There's going to be a whole decentralized industry um, built around that. And, uh, yeah, the, there's there's no doubt about it that this is going to be uh, an important um, and interesting asset class in the future. Yeah, well, I guess eventually the real big boys are going to get into that staking thing. Right now, it's like uh, exchanges and entities that are just totally crypto related um, because they they would know how to do that better than anyone. But I guess you know Fidelity, all those people do something like that too one day. My yeah, Fidelity are, are, you know, they're, they're, they're in this market in a big way. They've been in it for a while. I've um, spoken to some of the people that are in the cryptocurrency department at, at, and some of the behind the scenes conversations right now, they, you know, it took them three years to put together a Bitcoin solution. They've got trillion dollar reputations on the line. They take their fiduciary duties uh, very, very, very seriously. This isn't you know, um, Mount Gox, they've, they've got some, they've got some, a serious amount on the line. Um, they are, you know, becoming comfortable now with Bitcoin. They think that Bitcoin's the only thing they're comfortable working with. Um, but certainly when they see how much money they're going to make out of providing such services for Bitcoin, uh, they're going to want to follow another stra another approach, just like they did in, in their traditional business um, and expand the suite of products. And, uh, you know, this, they're definitely going to be wanting in a big way. And then that brings in all the other people that want to compete and do stuff as well. And you bring up Fidelity taking their time because they're a responsible institution. Do you think uh, the, the other institutions are also very much just being very careful because they want to do it the right way? But at the same time, is there a rush to get in before the, uh, the halving? Do you think they even, or even know about that? Oh, I think, you know, I mean, the, the people at these institutions, they got, you know, they got significant resources to research. They're not ignorant. Um, you know, some of the people like, uh, you know, the, the Congress people that are making stupid comments, they're obviously very ignorant. But these, these financial institutions, they're smart. They've got a lot of resources. Um, you know, they don't. Fidelity has decided to be one of the first movers. We've got cryptocurrency exchanges from ICE and New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, everything um, coming through. All the big players are, are getting ready to go. 
you know, the, the, the next bull market is, is just going to be a very different market altogether. You know, you've got every, every central bank, every financial institution, um, every retail bank, every Fortune 500 company, every FTSE 100, every Tokyo, they're, they're, all, they're all playing, they're all dabbling. Um, and, uh, you know, there, I think there has been so much accumulation uh, from retail over to institutional. Um, and then, yeah, they're just waiting. Uh, they're just waiting aside, but that sucks out the supply, makes it more scarce. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be an institutional market be, that is currently being built and it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, well, people are asking, why is the price going up? Well, it's probably because some entity out there or number of entities are accumulating. And one day it's going to be pretty obvious that we'll, we'll, we'll be able to figure it out. We'll be able to go back in time and be like, oh, that's when they were buying it all up. And uh, once people realize how much is like not out there to buy anymore and that, that, that partially will be, it'll be revealed after the halving was not as many new ones will be produced then, but it, it'll be good. It'll be good for those of us who have a trezor and who do not rely on uh, staking to acquire more crypto. We, we, we get it ourselves. We put it on our trezor. And if we want more, uh, if we want more crypto, then uh, we figure out a way to split the, uh, the forks, the crypto dividends off of uh, at our trezor or other storage device or, or whatever. And that's why I was shaking my head beforehand when we were talking about staking and, you know, there's, you, know, you were saying there's no yields and bonds anymore and, and people have to go in this direction. If people just took a little bit of time to research and they can get dividends on their Bitcoin, they can get interest on their Bitcoin. Is it the easiest thing in the world to do to split off the fork, you know, and, 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 and get some of these forks that'll come in the future? No, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's a lot safer than saying, hey, centralized authority, hold my coin for me and give me some, uh, give me some staking coins from it and uh, report all my earnings to the Internal Revenue Service. I mean, that, that's what you're signing up with, with, with that. So my, my little take on uh, staking right there versus uh, uh, holding. And yeah. Obviously, a, a big, a big sign that the bull market maybe is returning is if trezors and ledgers and all that stuff starts to sell out again. And yeah, that, that's unfortunate. You're not invested in uh, ledger because uh, there'll, there'll be a big uh, bull run on ledgers and, and trezors uh, soon, soon enough. I, I'm pretty sure. So, um, all right, Simon. Well, I think we've reached the end here. Any any final thoughts? Any uh, conclusionary thoughts? <laughs> I think we've covered it all. Um, there's just never, never a dull moment in crypto. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of the the views. I know that um, you know when when I've been, uh, it's been it's been pretty quiet in crypto with a lot of people building. Um, I'm excited by Liquid as well. That's another thing that we've been looking at. Um, we've been doing a bit of a, um, playing around with Liquid, but I think you're going to see a lot of tokens coming over to Bitcoin soon. Um, and it will be interesting to see uh, where where all that goes. But uh, yeah, I guess we're still, you know, I, I, the the lightning stuff has been a little bit slower than um, I'd like it to be. The user experience is still far away uh, from anything that's usable. But there's such a tremendous amount of energy behind it. Um, it's uh, it's really interesting to see. But then you've got Bitcoin, Liquid, Lightning, all these things coming through, and there's there's a there's a real playground of innovation for people that want to be building things that uh, no one else is really thinking about at the moment. Um, I, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought up liquid. I'm glad you brought because that the last couple of days I've been hearing things about that again. And that, uh, people have forgotten about it. And hey, maybe that, 
maybe that's part of the spike. <laughs> Who knows? That that's that that we should keep our eye on that, and maybe next time uh, we, we will we shall there'll be big reveals about that next time you come on the show, which I very much look forward to. So everyone, that was Simon Dixon. He's awesome. He rocks. He'll be back on the show again. Check out the archives if you want to see some of the past shows he's been on too. Disruptmeister.com. All right. Every week, a new show here. Every Friday, every day, a new show. So keep on tuning in. Disruptmeister.com. Follow me on Twitter at TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. Shabbat shalom. I will see you guys when I'm in Los Angeles tomorrow. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya.